What did you back last week? Uh, last week? Was it the one ring? That was two weeks ago, yeah. Oh, so you took a week off. Yeah, okay. I took a week off. <laughs> I'd say you're saying you're slowing down, and I, I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm just, just letting you know, man. You're, you haven't kicked that bug yet. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, what's going on? What have you been up to this week, this weekend, this whole time that I haven't seen you? Nothing too exciting. Uh, just a little bit of video games. No, don't give me that. I need some excitement in my life, man. <laughs> That's been about it. It really, it's been, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, I don't know. The, the usual, nothing exciting. We get to play some D and D today, uh, hopefully. So that's kind of been the thing I've been looking forward to, and especially with the new books coming out and that, but. Just a few more video games of the usual, Apex and WoW, and that's it. Okay. Well, we definitely, as far as I'm concerned, we're playing D&D today. I've, I'm, I'm ready. We're, you know, delving further into Icewind Dale, so I'm, I'm excited for that. I really do. I, I like the, the concept of Icewind Dale. I am struggling a little bit with the layout of the book, but I think we often say that about the D&D books, that we sometimes struggle with the layout of the book. Uh, so uh, it's fine. We'll get through it. I already have, I know what we're doing today. We're, it's going to be good. So I think that's kind of the consistent too of we've talked about it a lot of like we like the world, we like the stories. It's just I think it's uh I think we've said that about just about everything. That's like, okay, you know, we could play Vengeance of the Shund again and it'd probably be a better campaign. We'd pay play Curse of Strahd again and it'd be a better campaign. You know, you could go back and see other things be like, oh, okay, now that I understand the whole thing and I see where we got stuck or these kind of things, we can we can you know, you can customize from there. And so that's, that's always kind of a thing, but it does seem to be right. consistent with, with Wizards of the Coast books of you want us to do what now? Or. Yeah. And, and you know, and as the DM is, as I'm looking through Icewind Dale, there's times where I'm like, okay, so where do they go from here? And I guess maybe they're just trying to keep it open-ended. So you as the DM have the option to tell them where to go. I don't know. It's fine. I'm figuring it out and we're going to move on and we're going to have a good time playing. Yeah, I think we're about to die, so I don't think we'll be playing for too much longer. Yeah. I think we're... Yeah, exactly. We're just about to have a TPK, and we'll just move on. Yeah. I think we were <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on a lich's door last time we played. <laughs> Something like that. But, you know, speaking of playing, I, I do have to say I'm, I'm really excited with the CDC announcing some of the easing of restrictions for those of us who have been vaccinated. Um, and as far as I know, you and uh, Zach were the last two to begin their vaccination because you got yours this week. So that means, like, within the next month, we could be playing at the table again in real life. Yeah, that'll be that'll be nice. Uh, I don't know what it is, and I will say that I think it's different for different groups. Um, our Tuesday night group, I have a hard time imagining playing in person, just because of the way we've. Uh, it's the way we started, and now it's you know, and, and same thing with our uh, with the original people we started playing with. It's so weird playing online because it's not the same because you're not used to it. I completely agree, and I know like especially our, our Sunday night group. This is like like you said, this is our original group. This is the group that we started with, and it just feels weird not to be sitting at the table with them. Especially you know, we're all friends. We all get along really well, and it's you know, I don't think I've actually seen Zach in person in several months. Yeah, uh, at least. Yeah, I think it was probably your show was the last time we saw him. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's been forever. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm looking forward to it. And it's kind of the same thing of, uh, you know, like the first time, oh, we're going to be playing together. Uh, I can't wait to see what we're going to play. I'm like, oh, we're already playing a game. And I'm like, well, that feels like a different game. And you know what I mean? Like, do we start? I know, do you I start know. French? Like, I don't know. It's weird. It's <laughs> awkward. And it's a great thing to have that kind of uh, yeah. thing to look forward to, so. I, I'm excited. It's going to be nice. I mean, that does mean I have to start thoroughly cleaning my house every Sunday again, though. Means I actually have to put on pants. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we do have a topic of the week, and it is going to be a little bit different than what we normally talk about because we're going to be talking video games, especially since the announcement of a ton of Bethesda games coming to Xbox Game Pass. But before we get into that, we do have a little bit of news to talk about. So let's kick it off, as we always do, with some Dungeons & Dragons. There's not a whole lot coming out of the Watsi camp right now. However, we did get a new UA, and that's always exciting because Nolan gets to dive into that and tell us all about Folk of the Feywild. It's... It's an interesting one. We always, I think, our first thing that we always talk about when it happens is, is like, okay, what book are they writing for now? 
where are we going with this uh, and try and guess. And this one here, obviously, you know, Faye Wild is is there. So for me, it was one of those things of, okay, are we going to tell a story in the Faye Wild? Um, I know that they like to uh, bring stuff back and forth so we could have maybe some hot spots of Faye Wild occurrences showing up and maybe a blending of the realms. Um, I think lore-wise, that's where Myth Draenor ended up, is it's actually in the Feywild now and not on Faerun. Um, so anyway, this one here was all about creating characters and what characters you might run into in the Feywild as a player. Uh, so we've got Fairy, uh, we got Hobgoblins of the Feywild, we got Owl Folk and Rabbit Folk. And again, we've, I think skirted around saying that we're not huge fans of animal races in the past and this one here kind of is an interesting take on it uh kind of remind me of guardians uh or maybe i don't know sonic you know like i'm trying to think of like areas where i can see uh owl folk playing uh a, a spot at the table i think it's the hands man like like how do you grip a sword with wings and and so i need to see the art because i'm sure by the time i actually see the art of it i'm like yeah, okay, I was way wrong on that one there. So uh, big things that I noticed out of this here, out of the whole thing, uh, a bunch of them have flying right off the bat, which I imagine that's probably a self-survival thing in the Feywild. Um, the other thing that bothered me out of the whole thing was uh, we've got fairy, F-A-I-R-Y. It's spelled completely different than fairy fire. So I'm not sure what the difference is there. Uh, and that, that was just one of those things <laughs> that I was like, ah, okay. So... Uh, as a fair, so but, is is fairy fire spelled with an ie? Uh, yeah, yep. Is that a pluraling of fairy? Don't know. I don't either. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so as I looked through here, uh, big thing too. Uh, what was it? The thing that caught me off guard. Okay, so rabbit folk is the one I wanted to talk about uh, for the most, just because we can we can mention all of them. But uh, rabbit folk bounding across the wilds. Rabbit folk from the Feywild embody a spirit of freedom and travel. You are a considered a humanoid. Your size is medium or small. You choose this when you pick this race. Your walking speed is thirty. Hair trigger. You add your proficiency bonus to your initiative rolls. So makes sense. You're always kind of jumpy and and aware of what's going on. Um, Leporian senses. You have proficiency in perception, lucky footwork. When you fail a dexterity saving throw, you can use your reaction to roll a d4 to add to the result, potentially turning a failure into a success. And then rabbit hop. Once on each of your turns, when you walk at least five feet, you can hop, rolling a d12 and moving that many feet in a direction of your choice. This extra distance doesn't cost movement, but you can hop only if your speed isn't zero. So the, again, after uh, thinking about rabbit hop and some of the movement abilities, I kind of was like, now the wrestler's coming alive. I want to be the luchador, right? Let's return, move feet. You do the grapple and then you do the jump. You know, say you're a barbarian who's, you know, you're a barbarian rabbit folk who's raging, grappling. You can pick that thing up and jump. You roll a d12, you could get an extra... 12 feet in the air off of your springboard. And so now all of a sudden I could just imagine a rabbit wrestler power bombing people. And again, I think that's just what it comes back to is that we just need to play a wrestling campaign because it always goes there of like, how can I make a wrestler? So, yeah, I think we're just going to have to do like the, the world wrestling federation league of Faerun or something, the WWFLF. Everybody gets a little bit of, uh, I don't know. Maybe get some barbarian in you, maybe get a couple levels of bard, and then, you know, say that's your minimum, and then you go from there. Could, could be. And I do, I want to throw out this real quick. I have discovered the difference between fairy, F-A-R-R-Y, and R-I-E. Okay. Which I did not know this, and I had to look it up. Apparently, when it's R-Y, it is re referencing the mythical creature of the fairy. When it's R-I-E, it is the world of the fairies. So fairy fire, R-I-E, is a spell that fairies in their world have. Fair enough. Okay, I could dig that. So there you go. That, yeah, now we're both educated. <laughs> I support it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Owl Folk, again, was another one that uh, I really liked as far as flavor. Magic Sight, your keen senses can focus to see the presence of magic. Uh, so again, you get the kind of the idea behind that that magic uh is there they've adapted to it owls have good eyesight and that allows for them to be a part of uh 
the flavor text and also being an owl. Nimble flight, you take uh, thanks to your wings, you have flying speed equal to your walking speed. When you fall, you can use your reaction to make a dexterity saving throw, DC 10, to stop falling and fly in place until the start of your next turn. And then silent feathers, you have proficiency in stealth, which again, they're kind of predator creatures. They hunt at night, you get dark vision. And again, I'm curious to see where the book goes with this, uh, especially with the owl folk and the rabbit folk. Uh, I haven't, again, it sounds sometimes ridiculous in my head. And then when we finally get to see it, I'm completely wrong. And uh, some of the art for the Eric Crocra that I saw was just amazing and totally changed my perspective of what they were. So I've, uh, I've been watching, uh, we watched Scoob this weekend. And so now I see the Blue Falcon uh from scooby-doo <laughs> and i'm like oh nice. okay yeah i could see an eric Roker being pretty cool you know all armored up and everything uh hobgoblins of the fey wild trace their origins to the fey wild where they first appeared with their goblin and bugbear kim that history has left its mark for through the goblin hobgoblins are found throughout the material plane they continue to channel aspects of the fey wilds rule uh which creatures of a mystical bond between the giver and the receiver of gifts so their fey an uh, ancestry you have advantage on saving throws and make you avoid the end of charm can to avoid or in charmed conditions on yourself, which brings in a little bit of the elven nature, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, Fey gift, you can use this trait to help as a help action. You can use the help action as a bonus action. And you can do so a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. You gain all expended uses when you finish a long rest, which I thought was kind of interesting on a hobgoblin. Again, adding the help feature. Uh, hospitality, you and a target of your help action gain a number of temporary hit points equal to 1d6 plus your proficiency. Um, uh, also, when you do the help action, you're going to give them passage. You and the target of your help action uh, each increase your walking speed by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. And then spite until the start of your next turn. The first time you or the target creature of your help action hits a creature with an attack roll, that creature has disadvantage on the next attack roll that makes in a minute. So again, playing around the help action, I like. I hope they do more stuff like that. I could see that being very much a... Uh, I don't know why I was thinking halfling. Uh just from a standpoint of, you know, helpful people, happy people, you know, hospitality kind of seems in their nature, food or whatever. Now it's like, okay, I want to see, you know, bring in some tools to give this kind of stuff. You cooked a meal, you did some stuff there. Uh, so opening up the help action as a, uh, uh, this is what I do kind of in a form of like I'm a blessed bot or whatever. So I like that. And then the final one on them was fortune from the mini. If you miss with an attack roll or fail an ability check or saving throw, you can draw upon your bonds over process, processicity. Wow, I can't say that one. To gain a bonus to the roll equal to the number of allies you can see within 30 feet, uh, maximum of plus five. You can use this trade a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and you're getting all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So I thought it was interesting. You hear Hobgoblin was not expecting a creature that was all about helping people. So I again I, I think it'll be neat i'm excited to see where the book goes for this of what they're working on uh, i couldn't think of anything out in the open of as like you know sparked some sort of thing of like oh it's time for this and i i don't know a lot about the fey wild from that standpoint i don't think i've ever played a campaign there um just kind of the little things of when it's accidentally interacted with uh the rest of fey rune so i'm i'm kind of hoping that there's a story here uh, I think it would be fun to, you know, maybe that's what's left for Forgotten Realms is to start to have the planes combine into one mega realm or whatever. And maybe that's where we're getting the 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 Ravenloft stuff. So we're getting more introduced to planes and how to play them and that kind of stuff for maybe a Feywild campaign coming up. So excited to see where it goes, especially if there's some uh, higher magic based. If this is like a Hobgoblin becomes... I want to see some subclasses of the Fey Wild. We saw it a little bit with the Barbarian and Wild Magic. Uh, so I would like to see maybe some more of that where, hey, I'm a fighter, but you're doing a lot of little magic cantrips and stuff like that. You're like, well, yeah, I'm a fighter of the Fey Wild. This is what we do to survive. This is natural training. So maybe some Eldritch uh, Knight style thing that's more on the Druid side. I don't know. I, I think it opens up some doors to bring in some nature things. So a couple of things I want to add to this, and, and this is completely speculation. I wonder if they're setting us up for another magic crossover here. The reason I say that is, is we had thrown a Veldrane recently as a magic set that was, you know, all fairies and giants and hobgoblins and stuff like that. So I wonder if we're going to see them pulling like Morningtide and Eldrain into like another crossovers uh, book. We know that they like doing the magic crossover books. 
And it should be getting close to time for a Magic crossover book. So I'm curious if that's what this is setting up. It could be for sure. Uh, and I I don't know. I, I think that's... I, I don't know. Those are nice books. I don't ever use them, I think, very often. Um, but it, it does add... I don't know. I, I think there's some stuff to be added from it, too. Usually they come up with some pretty cool magical items. Uh, some of the character options are pretty neat, especially if you're from the Feywild. And, you know, you could you could pull one of these into any game because it is a, a realm that's weird and different and probably not like what you're playing in. So it gives you an opportunity to, to just be something different. Right. And, you know, and speaking of magic and D&D mix, uh, if you are a fan of both games, keep in mind that I believe it's going to be late this summer, probably around April, uh, that we may be seeing. And I could be completely wrong on this, but I was in a judge conference yesterday hosted by Pastime Games. There's like 500 people in this judge conference. It was insane. But we did have the policy guru, Toby Elliott, who's a one of the higher ranking judges in the judge program, he was there discussing some policy issues and he made mention that the forgotten realms magic set is coming out this year. So I don't know if we're going to see some of that stuff. Like I said, Eldraine possibly coming out as a book, you know, drawing again, pulling on some of the forgotten Realms stuff. And I Nolan, I know you're a big fan of forgotten realms and you do kind of like magic. So uh, apparently Q3 2021 is the, uh, uh, adventures in forgotten realms magic set so i think they would probably be silly not to have something tie in right this is a big deal right uh, I, I can see there being major crossover across any platform that they own um and and trying to work together with both sides to make sure that it's as big as possible so they could do stuff in the future again because this is kind of one of those like i met probably not a high risk situation for them but it is a it is a a leap. I mean, if it goes out there and flops and not one person gives a rip about the Lord of the Rings magic set, no other company is ever going to come on board with them and be like, yeah, we saw what you did at Lord of the Rings or whatever. So they'll they'll make a big deal out of it. I'm sure we'll see some celebrity D&D panels with that. Sure. You know, I mean, I think that'll be pretty cool. So the, the potential for it is awesome and we'll stay optimistic for them not messing it up. Right. Uh, so I know that's that's going to be a magic set that I, I will probably, and I'm talking specifically about the Forgotten Realms one, I'll probably be buying um, maybe even, you know, complete the set and just put it away kind of thing because it feels to me like it's going to be more of a collector set than anything because it's got that D&D magic crossover because yeah. it's going to be so unique. And, of course, the Forgotten Realms or the uh, Lord of the Rings set you and I have already talked about, it's going to be here's my wallet, just give me the cards. And I think, well, it, it depends on the rate that they come out too, right? If it's the first one that comes out, we'll probably be all bored. If it's the second one and the first one was like, yeah, they messed up. It makes it a little bit easier to avoid, and we won't need to complete a set. We'll just go after some cool-looking cards. Right. Right. Collect them for the art, because we love that yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah, and, and there's some fantastic magic art artists, uh, Magali Villanueva, uh, and I'm sure I'm butchering her, butchering her name, who did... Um, Oh my gosh, I can't even think of the Planeswalker now, and that's terrible. Um, anyway, she does some fantastic artwork for Lord of the Rings, for the uh, TCG for Lord of the Rings. So having her involved with Magic Lord of the Rings would be amazing, and and I think that's it's probably going to be the case. So anyway, um, what else about that UA? Because I completely went off topic there. Nope, that, that really was it. It was just about classes, uh, which I, I get, or not classes, just about races. So I, again, I'm hoping we'll get one about classes. I do want to see some more weird magic in uh in some of the in in, in a lot of the classes uh hopefully it's not just focused on a fey wild sorcerer that's kind of like a wild sorcerer i think there's an opportunity there to right. give me a rogue give me a weird nature rogue which i get it should probably be a ranger but uh you know we, we've got the arcane side uh we're kind of due for a divine or a nature side and we could go heavy with that so i'm uh, that's what i'm hoping for i'm hoping for a good class one next and then maybe they'll give us a hint of what the book is yeah that would be good uh there is of course a link to the ua in the show notes so if you guys want to check that out it is there nolan i didn't see anything else for D, not even any movie news did you i didn't uh fairly quiet we've got uh candlekeep mysteries next weekend next week next tuesday this tuesday wow already this tuesday is that, wow that's soon holy cow well you know <laughs> apparently stimulus checks are on the way so that might be a great time for you to get that book yeah i had of it already coming i didn't need the stimulus check yeah well <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, it'll be nice to look at it. I don't, 
I do want to read it. I do want to look at it just to get an idea. Uh, I know there are some player stuff there, but I also want to avoid reading some of the adventures because, right. again, I, I like that kind of story. Um, I like that mystery. Yep, and I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a fun one to dive into. So, All right, well, let's take a trek down over to the Onyx Path. Um, I did see that the campaign for M20 uh, Victorian Age Mage is doing very very well they're at 223 percent funded um they got 12 days left so if you want a copy of this deluxe edition book uh there is still time to jump in on that there is a link in the show notes and again remember that it is an indiegogo campaign it is not a kickstarter campaign uh, i was talking with my brother dom who's of course a big fan of the show and he has told me he has officially backed the book very cool and i have to chuckle yeah i have to chuckle because dom's done this a couple times where you know he listens to the show he gets frustrated well i should he gets frustrated because he'll listen to the show or listen to uh, the other uh, another show, Bite Size Gaming, uh, our friend Zach, and he's like, "Damn it, there's more Kickstarters. I have to go back." Yeah. <laughs> so podcasts are breaking his wallet. They, they will do that. Uh, they they will. There's there's a lot of good products out there, and again, consistency of uh, of what Onyx Path puts out, you're you're kind of in a safe spot. You don't know when you're going to get it, but when you get it, you'll be happy. I mean, so far anyway. Right, exactly. And and I know Dom's a big fan of Mage, the podcast. So he's been listening to those t- Terry and Adam. So I know he's excited about that book. But unfortunately, I'm not going to back this book. I am interested in seeing it when it comes out. But, you know, it's an Onyx Path Kickstarter. Or, sorry, it's an Onyx Path crowdfunded campaign. So it's going to be a year or two before he ever sees the book. Uh, I chose not to back this one because I know for a fact that I will not be playing a game of Mage. At least not in the immediate future. Now, maybe in two years, I maybe, I don't know, can't see that far in the future. And if so, if I decided I want to play Victorian Age Mage, I'll pick it up. But for now, I chose not to back it. Speaking of Mage, I did see in the Monday meeting notes that Rich Thomas mentioned that there is another project coming to uh, crowdfunding. I I assume crowdfunding because that's how they do their books. And this is Lore of the Traditions for M20. Rich said that this is going to be much like the Lore of the Clans book that they did for V20, which I got you a copy and I have a copy of, um, which are fantastic books. I really like it. Uh, And this is probably one that I will back because it is just a lore book. And I love the World of Darkness lore. So I, I think... When I see this one come live, that's that's one I'm probably going to be jumping in on. Well, and we've talked about them before of, uh, oh gosh, what was the Beckett's? Uh, yes. The, the way they write their lore books doesn't feel like, uh, it, it doesn't. An instruction Yeah, manual? Yeah, they do a great job of weaving in a good story with it. And I think that's probably the, that's one of the better ways I learn. Uh just having that, you know, you don't realize you're reading an encyclopedia book because you're involved in a story. And so I, if it's anywhere like that, I can I can support that for sure. Yep. It, and I'm guaranteeing it will be because that's how they do their books. And uh, especially if they're already saying it's going to be like uh, the V20 Lore of the Clans. I think back to Lore of the Clans and I ended up picking up Lore of the Bloodlines too. And I got to say, you know, when I read the the bit about the Semedi, the Semedi, Semedi, however you want to say it, I believe it's Semedi, um, I had never, ever wanted to play that clan before. Like, this is not a clan I'm interested in. I read their chapter in, in I think it's Lord of the Bloodlines, and I'm like, I want to play this fucking clan. Because it was so well done. They do a really good job of, I think there's a lot of times where like, yeah, that's not me, because I read a, this much description of it. And then you get in and you see it, and you're like, oh, it's more complex, or it's way weirder, or it's way uh, more structured. Or, you know, I mean, it just comes out of those things, you're like, yeah, it, they do a good job of sparking something of like, I know how to play that class or that clan or that race yeah. or whatever. Or, or at least enough that I now want to try to play that because holy yep. crap, that looks badass. Yep. So yeah, that's going to be coming soon. I don't know when we don't have official dates on that one. Um, I, Rich said it, that it has shown up and this is one of those we talked last week where Onyx Path has said that they had a lot of projects from 2020 that just got waylaid because of covid and now they're starting to see some of those come to fruition so i'd imagine we're going to see a, a few more uh hopefully we see another vampire project come to fruition uh like i said like like we have said they do a great job with these books when it comes to vampire when it comes to any of the world of darkness stuff uh well frankly when it comes to any of their books so i'm looking forward to seeing what they have that was hidden away that they couldn't talk about and now that they've gotten approval that they can start moving forward and this is one that i'm really excited for i'll be curious once everything is air 
quotes back to normal. Uh, how much has been sitting in the tank waiting to come out? I right. wonder if we're going to be just overloaded with all these companies having these ideas or if they were more productive because they couldn't do anything. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. True. You know, maybe we were we, we were at the peak of content and we just didn't know it because for a while, for like every other day, there was something coming out on Kickstarter. So this is very true. And and that's one of the reasons why I did have to back off backing things because it felt like things were just coming so fast and I just couldn't afford to keep up. What did you back last week? Uh, last week? Was it the One Ring? Um, that was two weeks oh, ago. So yeah. you took a week off. Okay. You... <laughs> Yeah, I took a week off. <laughs> so you're saying you're slowing down, and I, I just haven't seen it yet. So. <laughs> That's not even fair of you. How dare you? I mean, come on. I'm just, just letting you know, man. You're, you haven't All right, kicked that bug yet. <laughs> That's not a true <laughs> statement. <laughs> well, it was the one ring. Give me a break. I'm not knocking it. <laughs> Speaking of Kickstarters, let's jump over to Monty Cook Games. Nolan, I know you got an update about Tallis. What can you tell us? Yeah, so I got an email this week talking about uh, where they're at in the process. Uh, looks like Tolis, uh is basically at the printer. Uh, and basically what they've been doing for the last few months is layout, uh, proofreading, and trying to make sure it all fits well. Uh, it does give us some details that... Uh, Laying out and proofing two 620 or 672 page tomes because they're doing it for the Cypher system in 5e. Um, so it sounds like that is done. Uh, that took them about, about a year since the Kickstarter ended. And at this point, they are at the printer. Uh, what they gave me here. Uh, assuming no unseen delays, and one must be careful with assumptions these days, it will take about four weeks for Tolis to move through the production process and then another week or so to move to our warehouses. In the meantime, we are already working on the massive job of hyperlinking and bookmarking the PDF versions. So probably a month and a half out, give or take weather, COVID, snowstorm, apocalypse. That's exciting. It does say that if you did miss out on the Kickstarter, uh, it has moved to pre-orders. Uh, so that is an option as well on the Monty Cooks game website. Um, you know, this is this is another one. I mean, where do you want to rest your head? You know, I think that's the big thing. We, we, we've mm -hmm. sampled, we've, we've played, we've done all this stuff. I think we keep going back to D&D because a lot of it has been ease of use with D&D Beyond. Uh, I, I'm, I still can look over and see my binder of old character sheets and notes and, and, and all that stuff. And that just, you know, it's nice having a digital. Um, the One Ring is another one. This one is one where it's like, you're getting 672 pages and you're going to play in the world like how do you how do you give it a f its justice right do you sit there and, and become a true denizen of the world and and just live there and and hang out for a while i don't know i'm i'm excited I, again it's another one that's like you know i how do you how do you give it what it's due do you just stop everything and play it i don't know i'm, I'm looking forward to it it's going to be an awesome book i can't wait to see almost 700 pages uh and then and all the fun stuff that comes with it. The art looks amazing. The world looks amazing. Um, the details are fantastic. Even just uh, this, the little things I've gotten from the city, like PDFs and stuff like that. It's like, this is the market district. This is the typical way they build it here. The roofs are made out of this. This is a sketch of this. And you'll get you know, eight to nine pictures and layouts of the design of what these buildings are going to look like and so to see that kind of detail of the people that went into helping make 3.5 um it, it it goes into people talk about oh you know i'm not matt mercer i can't do voices and stuff like that i think the level of detail that it goes into being a good dm is right there in those little things you know like when matt talks about a character or a place he's been that character he's been in that world he's been in that store Right. Uh, we, we, we see that with good DMs that, you know, I think, uh, you know, when we had uh, Zach on, he was talking about, you know, you can you could walk into the bar and there's a bunch of people around the room. And that's it. But a good DM will have, you know, you, you get the smell of this. And, and Patrick, you do a good job of that, too. Like, I usually know what the end's cooking for the day because the smells rolling through the door. It doesn't matter where we're at. I think it's because we play after lunchtime. I'm not sure, but you Could you be. can smell the lamb stew rolling out of the kitchen and then the smell of stale beer on the floor. This is not a nice establishment. Or just saying, yeah, it's an end. What do you guys want to do? And so I, I, 
those are the little details that I think get me most excited about this. Cause I don't think there's a street I can turn down that doesn't have a story that happened in that street. Um, and that's going to be available for the DMS. So looking forward to it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, with as much as we have coming, the one ring told us all the world of darkness stuff, we have so much stuff that we could literally put D and D official books away, still play D and D, but play in a completely different world. And it's to me, like we have a scarred lanes game that plays on Tuesdays. We have our D and D game, official D and D game that plays on Sundays. And I, it's just, I'm amazed at like, when I think back to when we first started playing what, four or five years ago now? Cause it's been a while. And I think like, I mean, we were just playing D and D we were just playing D and D official books. And because of this show and you and I learning so much and learning about other things, we've really expanded not only our knowledge, but our collections, our collections are huge now because of, and mostly it's digital collections because holy shit. Yeah. I would be afraid to actually have everything that I have like on D and D uh, not TNDB, but uh, on uh, drive-thru RPG in printed form. I don't think my house could handle it. Yeah, and then everything that comes through, like Humble Bundles, uh, when the Lord of the Rings stuff came through, there was, what, 15 right. books that we picked up. And so, uh, yeah, it's I want I really want to give uh, some of these games coming out uh, what it deserves. I don't want... I don't think you can play One Ring as a one-shot. You know, there, there's certain games where you're like, okay, we'll, right. we'll dabble, we'll see... Um, I don't know. Tolus is something I would like to. I want to see a twentieth level arch wizard at the top of a tower. Like I just, I want to see what doom awaits. Um, especially after talking with some of the people that made the game, right? That's yeah. The, the, Sean got me excited. about Yeah, it. the mid level boss is like a fifteenth level guy that him himself can't go any higher because there's guys above him more powerful. And I was just like what the fuck does that look like? Cause yeah, exactly. This end well and, for and us. I think, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, with, with tolls coming out, of course we're going to do, cause we, you got, you got the full Monty on that one to go ham. Um, and we are absolutely going to be doing a tear through of the player's handbook because that is part of the book. And that is something that I know you're willing to look at without ruining, you know, the potential gameplay for you. Yep. So we'll, we'll, we'll be doing a show about that when it comes in. Um, and that's going to be really exciting because I know we're both just going to be chomping at the bit to look at this book. And it's probably going to be one of those where it comes in. We have to take a week to process everything, you know, look through it, process it and be like, holy shit, what did we just get ourselves into? And then do a couple shows about it. We might do like like we've done in the past, like a month long dive into the book and just say, "Hey, this is this is Tolis. This is the player's handbook. You know, g g go get the book because it's everything that we hoped it would be." And it was it was one of the most popular uh, stories for three point five. I mean, it it won all kinds of player ran awards. They added so much to it. I mean, there's it's it's got potential, right, to be you know up there for one of the greatest stories ever told in in, right. in in their world. So I think that's it's so fun that they're bringing it forward. And I'm I'm usually not one that's a fan of just, hey, let's remake it and sell it to the next generation because I buy that stuff and then I'm always disappointed. But I'm I didn't get to play the first round. This is so, gonna be good. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now Money Cook does have some other stuff coming out uh that they contacted you about. And this is that game, The Darkest Hour. Can you tell us a little bit or Doctor Darkest House, sorry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh so the Darkest Darkest House is an entirely new type of tabletop RPG product. It's made for the game you're playing right now to be integrated into and improve your campaign regardless of the setting or game system. It's a new form factor is uniquely optimized for online play, which I thought was really cool. The Darkest House will immerse you in an uh, intimate, terrifying horror experience unlike anything you've encountered before. Along the way, it'll improve how you run and play RPGs online, and it'll improve the character's party and the campaign you're currently playing. So taking a look at just some of the, the slides on this for the digital thing, it looks great. I love the... I already like the layout if this is kind of an example of what to expect from them. Again, we talk about borders and, and, and everything there, but uh, just their demo is a, it, it shows a uh, picture of a tree uh, next to a pool and there's a whole page on this tree in the pool, right? So the detail is just uh, on top of it there. Uh, it... I get nervous about online stuff because I don't want that to be where we end up playing, 
but right. we've complained about the little nuances between you know D and D Beyond and the stuff that they're improving to get better. And every time they come out with something better, it makes it harder and harder to go away from. Roll twenty, having the maps, uh, all that there as well was so much easier than rolling it out and drawing little hexes. And and we don't usually play with miniatures, and so that was something that I can see for combat getting addicted to very quickly. Um, but uh, yeah. It, it, I, again, more more stuff that can plug and play, I think, is great. Uh, again, something that's done on digital. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be on digital. But um, right. so the Darkest House works with your preferred online platform. You run it in on Zoom or Discord or virtual tabletop like Roll20 or Astral or however you normally run online games. Only the GM needs a copy of The Darkest House, just like only the GM needs a copy of the conventional adventure book or PDF. So I don't know if it... it, it I'm trying to see what all comes with it, but I'm guessing it's a, a, a giant map pack, uh, a bunch of stuff that you can insert into. I am fascinated that the horror and mystery thing seems to... Maybe not. Maybe that's not the right. Word. I'm amazed at how everybody kind of comes out with, "Hey, this is a gap in the world. Let's mm -hmm. go after it." Right? Because we're seeing a lot more horror games, mystery games uh, from everybody. Right? That that's kind of the thing across the board. So I'm curious to see what the next wave is going to be. Of yeah, um, I felt like about the time we got into Scarred Lands, you know, and and got into that, and it started to take off a little bit. Oh, here's a Theros book that is kind of like Greek mythology, and and. Hey, we're re releasing Strahd. Okay, uh, here's you know Candlekeep Mysteries. Here's another thing of Strahd, and then uh, we've got a bunch of horror stuff lining up as well. So I don't know if they all kind of say, "Hey, this is horror season," or if they all just like, "This is a gap. Let's go for it." And then it's just a foot race to see who gets it out first. That's probably a true statement. So uh, I know that they said the Darkest House is going to be coming to Kickstarter. Uh, I don't know when that's going to launch. We'll be keeping an eye on that one, and if we hear anything, we'll let you guys know. Okay, so that does bring us to our topic of the week, and we're going to be taking, like I said, taking a step away from talking about RPG to talking about something that happened this week with Bethesda Games. And Nolan is our PC gamer kind of guy, so we're going to be throwing this mostly to him, but I thought we should definitely talk about this one because but there's a ton of Bethesda games, like 20 titles, coming to Xbox Game Pass. And Nolan, you're, you're the expert here, so tell me why I should be excited about this and what games I should be playing. Well, I know for a little while there was talks about and working towards uh, Microsoft buying Bethesda and ZeniMax, which is, for me, it, it means Elder Scrolls Online. That's uh, ZeniMax. And I was like, okay, so that's kind of interesting. Looks like they spent $7.5 billion, <laughs> which the, the whole purpose of it. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So they picked up ZeniMax and Bethesda and the whole purpose of bolstering its Xbox video game system. And like you said, the Game Pass is now adding those 20 games plus and and what you get with I mean at this point you know most people are familiar with you know the other scrolls um a couple of the games that I had forgotten were under that label were Wolfenstein and uh Dishonored uh you also get Fallout uh Doom is on that system so a bunch of these games are going to be coming to your Xbox Game Pass which again that should keep you busy for probably about 2 years if you were to play all of those games because they don't skimp on content on those um, we know that we're getting an elder scrolls 4 at some point uh and and i think everything that i've read so far is they don't plan on just saying this stuff is going to be microsoft exclusive because i know there's a big group of people that play elder scrolls online from playstation um, and it's one of the few games that you can play on xbox playstation and pc across the board so i i i'm curious to see the move on it uh hopping into an MMO market seems like a scary thing if you were starting it today. But if you could just write a check for $7.5 billion and, you know, buy a World of Warcraft competitor, uh, I, I think that's probably the right way to go. Microsoft is so massive. They're in so many things. Uh, and most of that is just from learning uh, about <laughs> from stocks of, of all the areas that they go into that this here is I'm happy to see that they're not going away from video games. Um, they they talked to the main guy, and he, he did say we didn't buy Bethesda to keep releasing games on PlayStation uh, and Nintendo, but that doesn't mean that that isn't uh, 
an area they're going. I don't know. I, gosh, I, I'm pretty excited for it. Those are a lot of games that are coming out. And if they continue to have that kind of money, if they can write a check for it to, to bring it under there, that means they're serious about making video games. Uh, and again, Elder Scrolls Online is a, a really good MMO that uh, checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people and knowing that that's going to be around for a while longer, not going anywhere. Uh, I think that's some happy news, but I can't imagine writing $7.5 billion check. That's insane. It's a lot of money. So tell me, of because there's like 20 titles coming in, there's a link in the show notes so you guys can see the full list of games. What are your top three and that you think someone like me who doesn't play a whole lot of, of digital games, I mean, World of Warcraft seems to take up all my time when I do have time. Uh, what are some games that you think I should be playing or people in general should be playing? So tell me your top three and why. Well, I would say that you're going to have a hard time because they do a lot of first-person stuff. But if, well, this show's over. <laughs> if if you can get into it, uh, I, I think more people need to take a look at Dishonored. Uh, that is the you know kind of steampunk style um, RPG that you are you're a professional killer. Uh, and so you've got a bunch of different ways that you can attack this game, whether it's through high combat, through stealth, um, through technology and gadgets. So it's, it's a great world. Um, and I think it was one of the first ones that had that art style that kind of blended like the, the comic overlay into the world. Uh, so it really set a tone and theme for me of just kind of what that steampunk world would be like. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people played it, but I don't know that it ever got what it deserved. And maybe it did, but... Well, I know it was popular enough that Modifius produced the RPG for it. The tabletop RPG for it. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to see how that went. It would be one of the ones that like, if we were going to sit down and say, hey, this thing needs a world, it would not be the first one on my mind. Um, but after seeing it and looking at it, I think it's, it, it fills that steampunk niche that we don't have a lot of. Uh, so instead of creating your own, uh, kind of piggybacking on what they have, um, I I think that you're hard pressed not to play uh, either Fallout or uh, one of the Elder Scrolls games. Um, I think there's two different people that can play those. I mean, I, I think most people enjoy both, but I think you're either gonna gravitate towards the, the uh, the more modern game and guns versus magic and high fantasy. So uh, it's interesting. I want to see what they've got coming. I think that's the big thing. And if there's that kind of backing where they're already a good company, they didn't need Microsoft to step in and help them and, and buy them out to produce games, right? I mean, you can say we're putting out Fallout 5 and the thing's probably going to sell, you know, 5 million copies just on name alone. Uh, maybe not after the last online was a fallout 76 or something like that, that they had issues with, but, um, same thing with Skyrim. I mean, they didn't even release a full trailer and people lost their minds. They, they showed some graphics of people flying through clouds and people went bananas. We haven't even seen anything about the game. So uh, if they've got that kind of backing and funding to go out there and attack it, I mean, that's, if money's not an option for them to just go ham, I think that'll be great. So, uh, and and the MMO as well. Uh, that's a that's another one as well because I, I imagine the funding on that stuff is always frightening, just from a standpoint of we can usually see the life of a game where all of a sudden it's at at the end of its cycle, and a lot more stuff starts popping up in the cash shop. Right, you can now all of a sudden buy levels and buy gear, and I don't I don't think ESO is going to get there because they. I think it's one of the big three, uh, and I don't know where it sits between WoW and Final Fantasy Online, um, but it's—I mean, it's—it's it's in the big three, and that's a—that's a hard place to be, especially for a game that has free options. It does have not necessarily a cash shop, but it has—it has a cosmetic lineup, um, and they pump out content pretty consistently uh, that they do charge for. Uh, so, and people gobble it up. I know that they've got some new things coming with a follower system because uh, what they've found is a lot of people 
are enjoying playing in their world, but they're used to Skyrim, Oblivion, Morrowind, where they really don't care about the people around them. It's just nice to fill in a world that's alive, but they're there for their single player story. And so they're adding followers, which is something you could pick up in Skyrim is have some people follow you around. They did it in Fallout 4. Um, and I guess most of the fallouts where you have a companion, like whether it's a dog or a, a sniper, uh, they're going to do that as well. They're going to give you, I think, two or three options for a character uh, that will take on different roles. So if you want to play the healer, you can have a paladin that runs around and it's a, a PC that will tank for you. And now you can, you know, you and I decide we're going to play this game. We're going to stream it. We don't want to deal with, you know, hopping into a raid or a dungeon of people that, you know, are going to criticize us for being new for the game. You bust out your healer follower, I pop out my DPS follower, you tank, and away we go. And we knock out these dungeons and we do it at our pace and we'd be terrible at it without fear of doing what's going to, you know, what's going to come from a game that's this old and higher ups that want to skip the cutscenes and want to just power through. We're here for 15 minutes in, out, move on. I got to get my daily done, you know, so. I still watch cutscenes, and I hate when people tell me to skip them so they can move on. So now I don't need to play with you. So I, <laughs> I, I think it. I think I would like to. I'm, I'm excited for the future. It's it's going to be pretty cool. And again, Microsoft is so massive that you know they can they can take some risk with this and see what sticks. And not it's not going to bankrupt them if their next game flops, right? So. Uh, more time, more time, <laughs> more stuff. It coming to the Game Pass is huge. Yep. I mean, I'm that's I think one of those things of you know, oh, you know, it's 15 bucks a month. I'm not gonna do it. It's like I pay for Netflix and I watch a movie every now and then. And you're gonna tell me that I I probably had over 200 hours in Oblivion on the Xbox 360. Holy cow. Uh, and probably the same thing with Morrowind. I know I'm at 100 plus with Skyrim. Uh, and that's usually just like on one playthrough, not multiple playthroughs, because, you know, I've played the summoning wizard. I've played the stealthy archer. I've played the frontline fighter, you know, like all those things of every time you play the game, you can go a different direction. And yeah, you can do the main story. I think you can beat the whole of Skyrim. I think the speed run is like 80 minutes if you just do the main quest. I don't know if I'm halfway through the main story in those 200 hours because I hang a left and next thing I know there's some jester looking son of a bitch on the side of a road at a broken down cart. And you're like, well, we're doing this quest because I don't know what's happening here. And next thing you know, you're in some sort of assassin's brotherhood killing people. And you're like, that's why you don't follow clowns, kids. So, <laughs> so again, at, at $15 a month on this here, I mean, the value's there, but you're probably going to play one or two of these games for... I mean, three, four months. I mean, it's it's a huge addition to their lineup, and I think that gives you good value. So, And I think I saw that Xbox Game Pass also includes Xbox Gold, right? Yeah, they've got some weird packaging now that I haven't really looked into. Uh, and truth be told, most of my uh, most of my Xbox days now revolve around playing Minecraft with the kids. Um, but I, sure. I do know that there is some PC stuff going on as well, because most of these here I can see... Uh, fallout pc elder scrolls pc um so i uh, i am not familiar with it but at this point i believe your xbox game pass can carry over to your your pc so you can pick them up on the computer while the That'd be very cool. kids destroy your xbox with minecraft yeah <laughs> but again okay so still so i have dishonored and i have elder scrolls right those are the yeah. two that you think we should be playing what's what's give me one more game that you think and i know there's a lot to choose from that you like so <laughs> uh what's one if, more? if i look at the list um it's been a long time and i haven't played it yet but i know a lot of people really enjoy the new wolfenstein um and for me that think that's just nostalgia i remember playing it on a really crappy computer in middle school uh before school yep uh running around shoot nazis is probably a, the, the proper term of what we were doing but um the the new games look really good uh, i've seen some streamers play it it has that that feel of that game on modern graphics and uh, so yeah i i haven't done any of the new stuff i've just seen it but wolfenstein was just a fun one back in the day yep and that's when I remember playing. So, so there you have it: Wolfenstein, Elder Scrolls, and Dishonored. And in Dishonored, is Dishonored a first person? Yes, and I can't remember if it does transfer over, it. but it's not. It's not fast paced. I mean, you can play fast paced, um, but even then, it's the world punishes you, and that's the big thing. This will be my my 
two-minute rant on Dishonored. Um, depending on how you play, the world changes with you, right? So if you go murder hobo, slaughtering things in the street, guess what? The world knows that. So more doors are locked. People are more scared um, because people are not out and about because there's a mass murder on the loose. There's more police guards. There's more rats. The disease in the area goes up. So if you play like that style, your game gets harder which is fascinating to me that they did that because that makes so much sense. So all of a sudden you go down a street where you'd never, you haven't been for a while and now there's turrets and police checkpoints where they're checking people for what you're doing. Um, if you go stealth uh, and, and sneaky, uh, the game is not necessarily easier, um, but the, the areas that it's uh, easier is less combat. Um, and there is, if I remember right, there is achievement for not killing anybody except for your assassinated targets in the game. You can knock people out. You can send them. You can you can John Wick style the game, or you can go in and it's like all of a sudden, like you're you're running through three floors to get to the assassination target on the third floor, um, and you're hiding in corridors. You're knocking guards out, and by the time you get up there, you lop off the bad person's head and gone, and everybody lived. And it just grows to your legend and your renown of like, you know, the boogeyman's coming. You know, Bobby Yaga is is here and, and you can't escape him. So I I thought that was great for the time period because it was one of those things like, oh, I'm going to play a hack and slash. And the game just kept getting harder and harder because there was police everywhere and I couldn't function anymore, like to a point where, because I just wasn't that skilled with the combat. You know, I was just like, well, this is, oh, I'll just slash, slash, slash and never dodge. And all of a sudden it's like, this guy's got a turret on this checkpoint. And the moment I peek around this corner, they're shooting anything that moves at this point because it's after curfew and you can't function in the town. So you have to go stealth. So uh, I I liked it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and again, the world, even just walking around the world is just great. I, I could, I don't know how you do a steampunk uh, MMO, but you know, we've seen some good examples of RPGs, you know, the Bioshock series, was really good back in the day. Uh, Dishonored's really good. I don't think it's any less popular. I just, I think that's probably not people's focus, but I think we're due for a good one again. So. Well, maybe I'll just pop a bunch of Dramamine and give it a playthrough anyway. Like I said, we're just running around. Uh, and it, again, it's one of those things if you can creep and go slow, it shouldn't bother you too much. But I, I think you would enjoy the the art style. is not super cartoony, but it is very much a it's not going for realism. It's going for a, a fable style uh, art. And I don't know. That's it. That's, that's my two cents on it though. It's, it's a fun cool. game. Well, Nolan, unless you have anything else, that is our show for this week. I don't, we'll have candle keep mysteries coming out and that's going to be fun to uh, skirt the edges without spoilers. That's right. That's right. And I know we have, we do have a special guest going to be on with us next week cool. talking about a project that they have coming up to Kickstarter. Uh, so we will be dealing with that next week and um, that's going to be it for this week, guys. So thank you. For, thank you everybody so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we uh, love doing the show and plan on continuing to do it. So thanks everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.